Hello, hello, and welcome to the Health Hour on Informed Life Radio, brought to you by the Washington chapter of Children's Health Defense. We are so glad you could join us here today. Always keep in mind that the views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of CHD or KKNW. It's just information, us talking, bringing on guests, helping you live an informed and healthy life, not giving you medical advice or legal advice. Again, just here to have this great conversation. And with me today, I've got Bob Reynolds of the Washington Chapter of CHD, as well as um, Informed Choice Washington. We wear multiple hats, don't we, Bob? Yeah, Bernadette, happy to. Um, good to see you. Good to, good to hear from you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about um, our show today, you know, because Christmas is just a couple of days away. And, you know, I started thinking about the meaning of Christmas. And in, in the past couple of years, I brought on some wonderful performers. So we had music and, and it was, some of it was a little spiritual, it was uplifting, which is wonderful. I love that. But the, for some reason this year, my, my mind went to the original Christmas, the meaning of Christmas, the birth of, of Christ, you know, the, the three magi giving the gifts. And I start, I've got a bottle of frankincense downstairs and I started thinking about gold, frankincense and myrrh. And I thought, how fun to delve into those three and the health benefits of those. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I'm so happy you're gonna do that. It's always been one of those things that I've puzzled in my head. Oh, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Okay, I get the gold part. Yeah. That's pretty cool for a king to have, the new king. But frankincense, mm-hmm. what is that? Myrrh, what is that? Yeah, exactly. Oh, interesting. And you and I both, you know, did a little poking around. And I don't know about you, Bob, but I was overwhelmed at how amazing these are. Gold is kind of new in the health realm, but the um, the others just thousands of years. And then more recently, whatever modern science is able to reveal is confirming the health benefits. So we're, we're going to dive into that. I'm very excited. So I think you're going to you're going to help me out here. Um, can you bring up the um, or share the why did the Magi bring gold, frankincense and myrrh? And let's kind of look at at that one. And uh, so we can actually read this a, a little bit um, because you and I did not become experts on this. So I'm happy to share these resources. So this particular website, um, this is biblicalarchaeology.org that we are sharing here. So you want to read a little bit um, from the beginning of that there, Bob? And, and Sure. Okay. Yeah, so so since the early days, I could paraphrase, the early days of Christianity, of course, biblical scholars and theologians have offered varying interpretations of the meaning of gold and frankincense and myrrh. It, you know, it's a puzzle in modern day why they had a couple of those in that list. So those are the gifts that the Magi presented to Jesus as described in the Gospel of Matthew, book 2, verse 11. And these items were standard gifts, apparently. Standard gifts to honor a king 
or deity in the ancient world. So I don't know if 2000 years ago is ancient, but um, that was apparently still the standard, uh, probably backed up by a few other resources. Mm-hmm. They go on to talk about uh, this has been recorded in ancient inscriptions from 243 BCE that uh, so, a, a king offered to a god Apollo at the temple of Miletus. Ooh, Miletus, interesting. <laughs> and the book of Isaiah refers to it in Jerusalem's glorious restoration, tells of nations and kings who will come and bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim and praise the Lord. That's Isaiah, book, uh, book of Isaiah 66. Um, Very good. Matthew's gospel uh, does not include any names or numbers of the Magi, but many still believe the number of the gifts is what led to the tradition of the three wise men. Okay. So ties it together with where we are today. Yes. All right. So then there is another article that I found at Medical News Today. And let's, let's switch over um, to that one, Medical News Today. And it was from 2018 that one of their writers, um, his name, uh, where did it go? Where did Tim I? Newman. Tim Newman, there it is. That's the one. Um, I'll let you pull that and we'll find And here's Tim, it. here's more about Tim Newman. Is This is the page you wanted. Oh, let's see. Um, you know what? I just I just lost my tab for StreamYard. Oh, there I am. Okay. Well, let's go back though. Um, I want to I want to talk about Tim Newman, who is now an editor at ZOE. I don't know if it's Zoe or Zoe, but first I want to share the um, Medical News Today article. Do you have that one there, Bob? Or do you want me to pull that one up? I can pull that one. Let up. me look. Because in 2018, he decided, you know, as a um, medical writer, journalist, science journalist, he wanted to explore. Uh oh, we lost Bob. I'm going to um, go ahead and pull that up um, myself here. Then, where did he go? I'm going to present and share and bring to you the health benefits. There we go. And Bob will be coming back to join us here very soon. There he is. There you are. Hey, I found it, Bob. Excellent. So, yeah, so this uh, writer named Tim Newman a couple years ago decided he would write about it. You know, that's probably not the first or the last who will be writing about this. Um, so he says, the Magi are part of our Christmas traditions, but there's a lot to learn about their contribution to the nativity, especially about the healing benefits of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um. Let's see. So we're going to go on down to, I think some of that is the same. I think he quotes the same Bible archaeology that we were just at. And then the Magi, uh, the meaning of the something like magician, Magi means something like that, but often tra- translated to mean wise man. Um, we already kind of covered that a little bit. So the three gifts from the East Unlike the images we conjure of three men with a gift each, the Magi aren't numbered. Church history and tradition have expanded on the story to name the men who actually gave the gifts. Um, And it says Melchior bringing gold, Casper with frankincense, and Balthazar with myrrh. Even so, the depictions of the Magi vary from their earliest versions, with no one quite agreeing on the number of visitors in total. Let's go on down to what he talks about as a science writer uh, about gold. 
because the Magi were coming to hail the new king, gold makes sense as an acknowledgement of royalty. Gold was valuable, beautiful, and long-lasting. Scholars generally agree that the gift of gold represented Jesus as a king with an everlasting throne. It was a treasure befitting royalty, albeit royalty in the home of a young, poor family. As an interesting theory that is somewhat on the fringe, but we don't mind that, do we, Bob? I, I think we can bring some new information to the narrative. Yeah. So some believe that gold was entirely different. Instead of precious metals, the theory explains that frankincense and myrrh were both precious resins, when resins come from um, a tree like sap, used for fragrance, and both were derived from the same region, from the east. Gold seems out of place. One of these things is not like the other, unless it was gold and spice like turmeric, as some like to claim it was. And then the line of thought can even trace to balsam oil derived from the resin of the balsam trees in the climate and region as frankincense and myrrh's origination. Arabic balsam, and then there's the Latin name Comifera gilead, giliadensis, is also considered the balm of Gilead, used to anoint the kings of Israel and containing a compound known for its anti-inflammatory, local anesthetic, and antifungal properties. You know, it it does seem was were um now you're seeing this. I think I took a while to um share it. Are you seeing it now? Yeah, you just weren't scrolling. Okay. Oops. Hold on. I think I switched. I'm gonna um I'm gonna unshare because I uh I accidentally switched over to the other page. I'll get better at this one of these days. Thank you for patience to our viewers. Um but it seems to me as if it could be entirely possible that um, that the gold was the balm of Gilead. It matches the others, don't you think? Very much. Um, in but, terms of in terms of being more like the others, being all spices or yes, uh, natural compounds coming yes. from yeah plants or um, things we ingest. So, yeah, so why why were they um, bringing one metal riches and the other two healing? I think I said to you before the show began, maybe they were just want to make sure that he could afford to buy the other two later on in life when he ran out of whatever he gave them. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't mean to be sacrilegious here to anybody, but uh, I think it's fascinating. I mean, to me, something like, Something that heals is as precious, more precious than gold. But what this wonderful gentleman at Medical News today um, discovered was that gold actually is being researched for its medical abilities. And I believe you found some information at Green Med Info. Um, I'm going to just read just a little bit what he has here. Uh, gold versus cancer. So the isotope gold-198 is used in the treatment of some cancers. Gold is excellent at absorbing x-rays and loading tumors with gold can increase radiation therapy's efficiency. This means that less powerful treatment is needed, minimizing damage to healthy tissue. And one study used it in an intriguing approach. The researchers combined green tea compound, and gee, we could go down the rabbit hole with green tea and how good it is for you, right? With radioactive gold nanoparticles, I don't know why they had to be radioactive, but and use them to attack prostate cancer. 
So that is just amazing to me that, you know, we've got this, something we usually think of as just a metal. And then what did you find out about gold at Green Med Info for healing? Right. So just comparing those two topics, right? You brought mm -hmm. up gold and gold nanoparticles. They both turn up in a search. Yeah. I, that was interesting given yeah. the, the use of nanoparticles in a recent uh, medicinal product that millions and millions of people have had injected in them. Mm -hmm. And so there is more research being done on gold nanoparticles than there is on gold as a supplement or as some kind of nutritional therapy. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah. I still think it's interesting. I'll just add real quick that we know that colloidal silver and silver itself can be a good therapy, a good uh, treatment for some infections and so forth. Mm -hmm. And and that compound in some elements is been has been proven and is used quite widely as a supplement. And I classify those as heavy metals. Mm -hmm. And aluminum, we know we don't like that, at least injected, and it's certainly not found naturally anywhere in our bodies. No. And I wonder where gold then fits into that. And, and so both uh, gold and the gold nanoparticles. Mm -hmm. I look for that screen here. And I'm always concerned. I don't know enough about nanoparticles, really. I know enough to be very concerned about their use when it's man who turns a substance, not normally a nanoparticle, into a nanoparticle. Because right. it's so small that you worry that your body can't figure out how to properly dispose of it or use it and then, you know, eliminate what it doesn't need when something becomes too small. That can, that can be a major problem. Right. Or the kind of nanoparticles that can slip past membranes in our bodies. Yeah. Right? All those different membranes and layers of protection on purpose. And mm -hmm. if things get that small, uh, you know, we've only got one cell layer in our intestines, protecting what we send through our intestines versus our uh, circulatory system that then absorbs those nutrients. So that's pretty thin. If you have small particles, I could see it going through there. Mm -hmm. Was there was there something at um, GreenNet Info about gold, or was it all like in the nanoparticles? I'm looking at just I'm looking at gold, and here mm -hmm. are two main research articles that popped up. And it calls the, this is interesting, I've not, not spent too much time in Greenman Info, although it's been around for uh, many years now, uh, more than a dozen, mm -hmm. and they've been gathering articles and, and research on and cross-referencing things in a relational database so that we can do cross-reference of therapies and diseases and looking for treatments. And this is one of the disinformation dozen, so the website's fairly slow right now. They've been deplatformed and had to rehost, I'm sure. But yeah. anyway, I'm looking at the gold uh, gold, just searching on gold. And mm -hmm. I have a number of studies on the screen here. And it looks like they've been doing a lot of studies against cancer and tumors. Mm -hmm. And they're, the titles of the studies indicate effectiveness or success in slowing tumor growth and slowing cancer growth without diving into the study itself. That's what the title implies. Very cool. And there's a... Um I'll just read to you real quick, just a quick definition I found online about gold fillings. Cause we, you know, it used to be, you'd see, you know, the wealthy for their teeth fillings. It wouldn't be these toxic amalgams. It'd be gold. Um, and before they came up with amalgam, 
equal to zero. So it says that gold fillings, also known as inlays or onlays, are made of an alloy of gold, copper, and other metals. They're the most durable type of filling, lasting 20 years or more, but also, of course, the most expensive. Gold fillings do not wear down opposing natural teeth and are considered the purest, safest, and most biocompatible material for use inside the mouth. I don't know when they started using gold for fillings. <laughs> when when did they start filling cavities? Did people have cavities before sugar and processed food came to be? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, but crowns are made of gold. Yes, thank you, our dear Nathan. You can get gold crowns and you know, that's that's pretty cool. So we don't have a whole lot of information on gold, but there's enough out there that shows that, you know, it is it is not only um, useful for monetary reasons, but potentially. Well, it's, it's always, it's considered, you know, that holder of value as a currency just because it doesn't corrode. It's so stable even out in nature as well. Like it doesn't mm -hmm. corrode and oxidize. So with that stability, uh, it might be considered inert and really hard to react with what we might be putting mm -hmm. in our bodies. So that's at least our, our biologic dentist uh, that we go to, they recognize gold as acceptable still in the mouth, even though they try to get rid of all toxins in our mouths. Uh, I wonder if white gold is just as, because it might look better than having a mouthful. Of, <laughs> I don't know. Knock on wood, I don't have any cavities at all. No I've got three gold crowns and I'm still walking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, sir. So let's let's move on now to frankincense. It's a fascinating um, one. What have you got for us on frankincense? Well, um, yeah, I can jump to the Green Med Info again. Okay. And and this, I, I guess it's a spice or and or how do we classify it? But it it is the most researched of the three in terms of its health benefits? Well, it, it's a resin. Let me read to you um, from another website. I love Dr. Axe, D-R-A-X-E.com, draxe.com. Do you ever go there? I do not. He, this website, co-founder of Ancient Nutrition. It's a really good place to go where you want articles that are very easy to read, and but then is fully cited. You know, it's a great place to start your research. So he describes what is frankincense essential oil. Frankincense oil is from the genus Boswellia and sourced from the resin of the Boswellia carteri. Oh, it's going to give me lots of Latin. I apologize. I'm going to mangle it. But anyway, from the Boswellia trees that are commonly grown in Somalia and regions of Pakistan. These trees are different from many others in that they can grow with very little soil in dry and desolate conditions. The word frankincense comes from the term frank encens, which means quality incense in Old French. Frankincense has been associated with many different religions over the years, especially the Christian religion. Um, but he goes on and he talks about, I'll just read you like the bold of what it, and then we'll go to some of those studies there. Some of the health benefits um, helps reduce stress, reactions, and negative emotions, helps boost immune system function and prevent illness, may help fight cancer and deal with chemotherapy side effects. It's astringent and can kill harmful germs and bacteria, protects skin and prevent signs of aging, may improve memory, 
may help balance hormones and improve fertility, eases digestion, acts as a sleep aid, helps decrease inflammation and pain. I mean, my goodness, no wonder they were bringing this miracle um, oil to the baby Jesus, right? Um, and everything that I just read there, Dr. Axe fully uh, cites, you know, to explain all of this. And then I went and looked at PubMed and um, I'm, I'm probably not as prepared as I should be because I was having so much fun at PubMed, just reading all these studies about frankincense um, and myrrh. And um, so here, let, let's, let's go ahead and look at, oops, did I just add, add it again, the one that you want to do? I think I accidentally just- No, you wanted to go to PubMed, so that's fine. Um, no, I don't have that ready. I was going um, ha- to show the one that you were doing there. All right. So frankincense in general, turning up on Green Med Info and again, quite a few articles come up and a lot of arthritis. Uh, in fact, that's the primary mm-hmm. uh, disease for which it's uh, assessed against. So looking to be highly effective for arthritis. I don't know how you would ingest it. Is it a pill? Is it a additive? I don't know how they're using it in all these applications. <laughs> I've got a bottle of it, you know, in my essential oil, and I use it topically on things. And um, I even occasionally will put a drop on my toothbrush. I like to just play with different essential oils and just a lot of, usually it's tea tree oil, but I don't do that one all the time. I kind of, I do baking soda. I'll do a drop of this essential oil, that essential oil. And, um, but as far as internally supplementing it for different things, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it is that they're, they're using it. Um, well, in, as the research provides, just by looking at the count of articles and research moments, uh, anti-inflammatory is the biggest indication. And- well, yeah, anti-inflammatory. And that's why I'm kind of wondering if... If, if if the if the wise men did bring gold, physical gold, maybe they also brought the other gold, either either turmeric or that balm of Gilead. For some reason, well, you know me and the whole Gilead thing. So for our regular listeners, in case you're not recognizing the name Gilead, um, it is biblical, and um, in the in the novel and then the TV series, the Hulu series. Um, Handmaid's Tale, when we had this very dystopian society take over parts of the United States, they called it Gilead after the bomb of Gilead. So it's kind of freaky there. And of course, on Inauguration Day, when Biden took office, everybody surrounding him were wearing the colors of the Handmaid's Tale, according to their station. It was freaky. And then the final thing that is kind of odd with this whole word Gilead is that the makers of Remdesivir, um, the name of the company is Gilead, and it was it's the only emergency use authorization treatment product. So the balm of Gilead is the third reference you've stumbled across in the last, say, year. Yeah. Of Gilead. Yeah. Well, I came across that earlier because of, uh, after, um, yeah, about the time... Remdesivir came out is when it all started. I'd already seen the Handmaid's 
tail connection with Gilead. But then when I found out that they made remdesivir and they changed the name, they weren't always called that. About the time that Margaret Atwood's book came out, they changed their name to Gilead. So I don't know. Ah. So it's just kind of odd to me. Okay, enough of that. But it is an amazing healing. Nature is full of the most uh, fantastic products or, or herbs and, and saps and everything. And I've got to think that no matter where you live in the world, there's something that will do something similar. I, I, I doubt that, um, you know, people on the other side of the world that they're, you know, are, are bereft of some of these amazing healing things is probably a tree, a bush, a plant, a root, that's very similar no matter where you live. I like to think that, <laughs> you know. It is amazing yeah. how you just described it though, where frankincense is really only grown in what, Somalia and Pakistan? Yeah, Somalia and Pakistan. Yeah. And so you see in some of these articles I'm looking at on the screen here, they're ranked in terms of their strength, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one talks about reducing disease activity in relapse, in remitting multiple sclerosis, uh, in combination with, uh, well, Boswellia serrata, that's, uh, that's frankincense, right? Yes. Boswellia yeah. serrata. Mm -hmm. And so together with vitamin D and bromelain, which is the pineapple ex extract and uh, ribs nigrum, anyway, uh, relieves, it stops, they say, stops local inflammation and chronic sinusitis. So again, just a pretty broad range of anti-inflammatory and uh, re reducing irritation of nerves if it's working mm -hmm. on the MS. Mm -hmm. Pretty interesting stuff. I believe... I'm with you, I think. I'm believing, of course, that all the things that are there to heal us are available on the planet in natural substances. We just need to find them, just like the old medicine women. Yeah, yeah. And it's exciting that all the science is being done. Um, and then if we have time, I will go back um, to that uh, science journalist to show where he is now. And it, it ties in what our show from was it last week or the week before talking about food as medicine, which it is, but then we've got this um, uh, capitalization of food as medicine and this capture of food as medicine by entities that really want to control our health and our food and our access to certain foods. And the same entities are sort of ex working on um, in this whole area. I'm not sure what to do about it, Bob. It's like they're doing great work, and yet I could see it all leading toward absolutely controlling um, the the whole narrative and having us all under the control. Okay, I sound really conspiratorial, but I can't help it. Yeah. This, is what, oh. this is what my 60 years on this planet has shown me happens. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. And I try to look at the mindset that might be occurring on the other side. And the idea is drug discovery is great. You start with, say, a natural product that seems to have some effect. Mm -hmm. You concentrate it in an essential oil or you concentrate it so that it has a greater effect. Mm -hmm. And then you charge for it. Yeah. And in some ways, that's what a lot of the, you know, the early 
homeopathic substances were about. And, and we see that more and more to a greater extent, I think, pharmaceutical companies going for profit. We invest right. in their companies because we want to see them profit. And maybe the profit motive gets out of hand. Exactly. That's, that's generous interpretation of what's going on. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, the perfect example here is ivermectin. So we had Merck, the pharmaceutical company, scientists, looking at the soil to figure out what's in the soil in a certain location that was preventing certain bacteria and things from thriving. This brilliant dear uh, Japanese researcher discovered this bacteria um, and isolated it and made the product that we know today as ivermectin. And so it's the by the ivermectin is a byproduct of uh, fermented soil bacteria. And for the longest time, it was praised. It won the Nobel Prize. It healed humans. It healed pets. It did all this lovely stuff. And then it went off patent. And it still continued to be like, look at us. Look what we do. We're giving it away for free now. Mark was bragging. And then, of course, COVID came along. And this beautiful uh, drug, a semi-natural product that could very well and does treat um, SARS-CoV-2, prevent infection, treat the disease, um, COVID-19, completely undermines their plans for their shots, for their products, for everything they wanted to do. And so they turn around and badmouth it. That's the that's that's sort of the progression, and so we what we have to as we learn about all of these wonderful things that nature has to give and how to utilize it and all of that. We have to make sure we keep control of it ourselves, can keep access to it, the ability to grow our own gardens, grow our own food, grow our own herbs, choose our own practitioners. You know, choose our approach. That's what. They really want they those those people that they want to undermine. So, um, but let me show you this really cool thing that I found. Let me see if I can make it a little bit bigger. Um, this study just came out in twenty twenty December sixth, twenty twenty three. Look at that, a natural YSKA blocks SARS CoV two propagation by targeting multiple host genes. So, what is this? Uh, natural products and herbal medicine have been widely used in drug discovery for treating infectious diseases. Recent outbreak of COVID-19 requires various therapeutic strategies. Here we used YSK-A, which is a mixture of three herbal components, Boswellia serrata, that's your frankincense, Camifera myrrha, that's your myrrh, and propolis, which is a, a bee product something bees make. And I looked that up, but I can't describe. I'll pull up the definition here in a second. I saw that. Um, so anyway, they examined them to evaluate the potential antiviral activity against SARS-CoV-2. And they showed that it inhibited SARS-CoV-2 propagation. How about that? It's so cool. And so they conclude that it may represent a novel natural product derived therapeutic agent for treating COVID-19. This was done by some Korean um, researchers. And what I love about this article, um, Bob, is they, oops, I'm not scrolling enough, am I? They 
They say that it's very commonly clinically used. Well, that would be in Korea, wouldn't it? And I'm just like a little bit envious that the investigate the the clinicians in Korea are so freely using their traditional medicines. So it's a great I haven't gone all the way down the rabbit hole in this study. Anybody wants to look it up, we'll put it in the news and views uh, next week, so you can do some uh, research. Oh, long. here's another. It's, like, yeah, it's, it's very long, long. And thorough, I suppose. Yeah, and it, yeah, that would be interesting to find how how powerful the study was, or you know, what how remarkable were the results compared to say the placebo. Yeah, it. Yeah, we'll have to um, study that more, and and I would love to see more of what. I, um, some of the Korean researchers are coming up with w in their studies. So, um, yeah. So what else? So we've got what, maybe we'll move on to myrrh. Um, let me stop sharing that. So let's move on to the wonderful stuff of myrrh. I'm going to go ahead and share again that journalist article. Why did health bent? Here we go. And I'm going to scroll down to his, his myrrh here. Just a second here. Is it safe? There we go to myrrh. And you know, it was funny, Bob. I, um, I was at the a natural store yesterday. Let me make this a little bit bigger. And looking around, looking at the toothpaste and stuff. I can't, All these toothpastes have myrrh in it. I'm like, what? <laughs> I can't finding all this myrrh I just I maybe I saw it before never you know how it is you just it's there but it it's not at the front of your mind but there were several brands of toothpaste that have myrrh in it so what is myrrh let's let's read a little bit about um what myrrh is let's make that a little bit bigger here. Myrrh is also a compound derived from trees, according to this journalist. It has been produced from the sap of small thorny trees belonging to the genus Comifora for millennia. That's a long time, millennia. Myrrh is most commonly used in perfume, incense, and religious ceremonies. This odorous sap was considered medicinal in many parts of the ancient world. In traditional Chinese medicine, for instance, it was said to have a number of benefits, including purging stagnant blood from the uterus. In Ayurvedic medicine, myrrh tonic is considered rejuvenating. As with frankincense, myrrh is thought to be anti-inflammatory. It also appears to be, to some degree, antibacterial. Today, myrrh is used in many mouthwashes, gargles, and toothpaste, just like I saw yesterday at the store. Um, more interestingly, he goes on, there is some evidence that myrrh might be toxic to cancer cells. A study published in 2013 tested compounds derived from myrrh in the laboratory. The researchers found that the compounds inhibited the proliferation of prostate cancer cells. Wow. Another study looked at specifically at something called sesquiterpenoids. Oh, I can't pronounce that extract. <laughs> like turpentine. It's probably in that family. Turpentine comes from trees, doesn't it? It does. So it's, it's in that terpenoid family. Everybody's laughing at me. Bernadette, don't even try to pronounce those. Okay, I'll stop. It's good for pain relief and wound healing. Um, a, a mixture of frankincense and myrrh alleviated neuropathic pain in mice. How do you know? Do they look happier? Um, 
This combination has been prescribed for pain for thousands of years, but he says the evidence is still scant. But you know what? Something that's been prescribed for thousands of years that's fairly easy for individuals to get to, um, just because we don't have the scientific evidence yet, it's like if it really didn't work well, you'd think they would have stopped, like they stopped using leeches and other things that didn't turn out. Although, you know, leeches are being used again, but for different purposes than they originally <laughs> were doing them. Um, so myrrh is really exciting what it can do. Anti-inflammatory, that just really seems to be key. So the gift of the Magi was to bring really important healing benefit to the baby Jesus. And I've got to think maybe to the rest of the world to, to some degree to keep, I don't know, just like what's the meaning of all of us continuing to follow that, the birth story mm. and have all our little, all this, all this time you think about people as, as a society and culture and as um, the pharmaceutical industry and the medical industry have taken over. And every year, all of us with all of our health conditions and our, not me because I don't have any, but people with their, all the prescription bottles lined up. And every year at Christmas time, they take out their nativity scene and they would pose the little characters and they put the three kings carrying the gifts. Those gifts were probably what so many people need not what's on that prescription <laughs> shelf with all of its side effects and everything. Yeah. Well, not to put too much of a twist on history, but getting those almost medicinal products early in life could have helped baby Jesus through what was most likely a very low expected life age. You know, yeah. the, the age at which people were passing away in biblical times was in the 30s and 40s, I believe, average life expectancy. Wow. So I wonder well, if the Bible talks about um, it. De we don't get any of the early years. We don't get the boyhood in the Bible, in the New Testament good point. Thing of baby Jesus. So, you know, we don't know how long those gifts that he was given that Mary and Joseph were able to make use of them and and all of that. Wouldn't that be interesting? I think some people have attempted some stories about <laughs> you know, kind of the missing years. The missing years, how it was used. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very cool. So what else did I have or what else do you have for myrrh? Do you have something there you want to share? Um, so in terms of myrrh and its research on GreenMed Info, I'll go to that again, just to look at the summary. It had a moderate amount of, of studies being captured okay. and, uh, certainly more than gold, but less than frankincense. Again, frankincense had a huge amount of studies mm -hmm. supporting its use mm -hmm. and including some recent studies, just like you found again in that mixture. Mm -hmm. A lot of the studies we find in myrrh are older, not too much recent. Uh, you can see how it's uh, been used against some uh, microbes, some liver flukes. So, mm -hmm. uh, Vaginal trichomonoiasis. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but again, trico, I believe that's um, another uh, microbe. It's or, you know, parasite. It, parasite. It, 
That reminds me of that one parasite that you got to be careful when you're pregnant and you're changing the litter box. Mm. Isn't there one? It's got a yeah, There is. Yeah, yeah. There, there is that one. Trichoplasmosis or something. Um, I'm not yeah. prepared to talk about that. <laughs> uh, things about uh, lowering blood sugar as well. Uh, tooth extraction as an enhancement effect on wound healing. Yes. After tooth extraction. So mm -hmm. again, some dental use. Mm -hmm. Memory impairments. Gastric ulceration. And I can't tell you the strength of all this or how many studies back up each one of these uh, no. health conditions. But uh, they are studying it. And, and they do they do quite, a, quite often, they'll put frankincense and myrrh together in a study, mm -hmm. just like you mm -hmm. found in that other article. Yeah, they do have, seem to have a wonderful synergy together. Um, so that's it in summary, just okay. what, the, what the research is pointing to and keeps poking away at it looks like is, you know, arthritis, some antimicrobial activity. Yeah. Well, it, it does seem like that when you use from nature, those things that have anti-inflammatory, antiviral, antibacterial properties, but they're not like the man-made ones, which like the antibiotics man makes tends to wipe out everything. Whereas the things with antibiotic properties that you find in nature, they're, they're wise. They seem to, you know, the ones when, that through the millennia um, that individuals have discovered tend to be more selective, going after the bad bacteria, but not destroying your gut biome, say. You know, so they seem to be so much wiser. It, it seems as if man, in trying to figure out what nature or the brilliant design does so well, tries to extract something, but they're missing the complexities. We, there's nothing that we can do that really can mimic. Um, the best we can do is, I think, study it and learn all, as much as we can, use, learn to use, uh, use it as it was designed. Um, but the more you extract out, the more you cause side effects and unintended consequences. Hmm. This is a big deal. Oh, and, and maybe when you refine it or you make the artificial variety in test tubes, that the toxicity is, I think I'm saying the same thing as you by saying that there just tend to be more toxic side effects yeah. rather than a milder, more survivable side effect. Mm -hmm. Some of these chemicals, some of yeah. the uh, yeah. things from nature, literally. Exactly. So it's, very exciting here. I was going to pull, could you pull up one more time? And I want to go look at that researcher, Tim Newman. Can you pull up the one that goes to where he is now? It's the, um, the linked him at, at Zoe. At Zoe. Yeah. Let's go explore Zoe a little bit because I, Bob, I think in the new year, you and I are going to be spending probably a good amount of time looking at things like Zoe. Let, let's pull this up here. You can see it. So, yeah, because it seems, and I mean, I it could potentially be a good thing, although we have to guard against capture and having it go in the wrong way. But there's, we know that entities like, you know, um, 
the World Economic Forum, World Health Organization, pharmaceutical companies, they follow what we say and do. They know we we want the world to go more natural healing. We understand there's a gut biome. You know, we understand that health is based on food. Food is medicine. And so more money is being funneled in this area for research, which is a good thing. So... And there's a lot of really good people like this Tim Newman. I love his picture. It's, it's a few years later from the other, and he's kind of got a wild man looking about him now for our podcast audio. Uh, he's got a long beard, kind of long hair now. But scroll down and show some of the um, – this is Tim Newman. And then some of the articles that are on this, ZOE. So ZOE is – it's kind of hard to even describe. It's They're studying – the relationship between food and health. And they're doing an actual clinical study that you can sign up and join. And then there's this paid feature that I haven't fully understood how it all works. But when you sign up, it's like 30, 40 bucks a month. They'll send you a test kit. So they're going to test your biome you know, what it is now. They're going to ask you questions about, you know, your, your health status. So they're kind of get this overall picture of health and the foods that you eat because they say not everybody will thrive on the same food, which is fabulous. That's it's so true. Not everybody is different on what food um, they will thrive on and not. And so they're going to follow people's health. They give them health recommendations. And they said so far, when they compare people who follow their ZOE, Zoe or Zoe recommendation, those people are faring better than the control group who are told to follow government diet recommendations. <laughs> like for food groups? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And so they've got articles there on fermentation of food. Um plants, sleep, kombucha, uh, just everything that you can imagine is, is there. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, just reading the titles, five fascinating studies on chocolate napping, chocolate and napping (laughs) and other indications, uh, surprising foods that count toward your 30 plants per week. So apparently the diet they prescribe or suggest is 30 plants per week. I've heard mm-hmm. that recently too. Maybe we talk, talked about that on food as medicine a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Have a variety of plants because you'll need those nutrients. Variety. Yeah. And I, I think they don't, I wonder if they mean by that, you can click on it. That's from November. Um, do they mean 30 different plants or 30 servings? Let's see what they say. 30 different plants. Okay. Oh, I'd have to add up. Does that include, um, I think they're they're including grains and beans, so the legumes, not just your fruits and vegetables. Chocolates from cocoa beans, so that's allowed. Oh, you gotta love a group <laughs> that says that chocolate counts as one of your your plants. <laughs> and, and coffee counts. Oh, thank goodness! I'm two for two. Popcorn. Popcorn. Is I'm three for three. Let's keep going. Seeds. <laughs> I eat seeds. Yeah. Different. Yeah. Yeah, various seeds. On there. Okay, let's keep going. Seeds. See if we do. I eat some nuts, not a whole lot. Nuts. Um, herbs. Yep. Herbs can load you up. Yeah. In terms I of love the my various 
herbs. Spices. I do a, a lot of spices. Mm-hmm. Pepper, that's, cinnamon, that turmeric. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> that's it. That, that yeah, was daunting cool. when, you, when you thought about 30 different plants per week, but it's actually easy when you look at the way they've categorized it. Yeah. I. But, you know, when I searched this site, I could not find, maybe it's somewhere, I'm not finding... They don't really have a search function. So you, it's just looking and looking. I'm not seeing anything about choosing organic over yeah. pesticides. So if you're going to recommend legumes to somebody, lentils and beans, by gum, you had better make sure it's organic. Otherwise, you're going to just destroy their gut biome that you're working so hard to build up. Um, go If you go to, um, I think it's health conditions uh up there yeah go on that one and then scroll down a bit and they talk about exercise your overall health it, whether you should be a pescatarian a vegetarian or a vegan so they really do believe not eating meat they're pushing that they do mention climate change um they are funded by you know some of those entities that we have grave concerns over their actual goals, like the wellness, not the wellness. That's Peter McCullough's wonderful wellness. Why can't I think of it? Um, wellness. Why can't I, yeah. Yeah. But what, what's the name of the wellness with two L's that is the. The welcome trust. The welcome trust. It's not wellness. Hello. Sorry. My brain must have already been off for the Christmas holiday here. <laughs> the welcome trust. Yeah. But some really good information there. So I, I guess I want to encourage our, our listeners and, and, you know, we're going to be moving into a very complicated era, I believe, where people with money and power are going to be researching the actual real foundations of health. And there's going to be emerging some really good information, but also information that we have to be really careful to look at. Is it being biased? Is it being skewed in a direction that they want? Is it going to be, you know, um, trying to say, move us away from all meat? So though one of the studies on this um, site did say that when they looked at the gut biome, that individuals who ate healthy vegetables as well as healthy meats had both had equivalent good biomes unhealthy vegetables unhealthy meat unhealthy biome so there was no distinction between your meat eaters and your vegetable eaters as long as you got proper nutrition so i thought that was interesting so you know it's just we we got to really follow this because just as when you go to PubMed and you're looking up any vaccine study a lot of times you got to look at well every time who's funded the study what's the goal what's the outcome how is it designed how can where can the bias be because i feel as if a lot of really good people who want real health are being gobbled up into this industry of real health and it's going to be skewed and controlled and, and potentially weaponized. Yeah, definitely held for ransom. If we want to access, mm -hmm. if we want mm -hmm. to access it. Um, I wonder if we're experiencing that from the supply chain issues that have occurred over the last few years during the pandemic and, and now the inflation that is making some foods harder and harder to get access to. 
that mm -hmm. just I, I wonder, I feel like it's definitely constraining our access to things that we would just have available every day, good, healthy, balanced foods. Well, they, the, our government and the powers that be, that shouldn't be, have already um, said they absolutely support the concept of nudging, the concept of, you know, what we call propaganda, and they would call um, social engineering to make society move in the direction they believe is best, they believe is best. And so what does that look like when it comes to uh, things like this with herbal remedies, with, you know, the healing gifts of the Magi and, and access to all of this cornucopia of health and wellness that, you know, is given to us by nature, by God, however you describe these miraculous things. Um, so we just need to be on the lookout um, for that. Take the good, um, try to disengage from the bad and try to not let them co-opt um, all of this, you know. Yeah, I think that's the good operative word there because there are some good intents and messaging coming out from yeah. your uh, main government public health agencies in terms of nutrition and general. Yes. Goal is obviously better health. And if food is medicine, then great. You just might not want to get your box of food from your local uh, health clinic. Yeah, yeah. Which was being offered <laughs> in a few cases, as we discovered a couple of weeks ago. Yes, exactly. So, so that food is medicine show quite a bit. So, you know, it just, this is why you need to live an informed life and do your homework and not just take at face value information out there, you know, just really, um, you know, and we're going to be there along the way, right, Bob? We're going to try to bring people information they need to know. Um, oh, that hour went so quick. So we're going to have to go. I hope you've enjoyed learning about the gifts of the Magi on the Health Hour. We're going to go to the Liberty Hour next with attorney Pete Serrano. We're going to take a break um, and then we will be back. You've been listening to the Health Hour on Informed Life Radio on 1150 and KKNW. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, Inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at HealthyImmunityNow.org. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org. Children's Health Defense is a nonprofit organization with a mission to end childhood health epidemics by working aggressively to eliminate harmful exposures, hold those responsible accountable, and establish safeguards to prevent future harm. The Washington chapter of Children's Health Defense is stepping up at the state and local levels, but we can't do this without you. Join us at wa.childrenshealthdefense.org. Let's restore and defend children's health and their futures in Washington State.